Hi, I'm Sierra. And I'm Crystal. And we are Black Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Join us for a series of conversations about all things adulting. With each conversation, we explore what it means to live life out loud as unapologetic Black women making the most out of our 20s. This podcast is for the girls by the girls. Hi, Crystal. Hi, Sierra. Oh, I tried to beat you <laughs> to the punch. It's so quick. Gotta be quicker so than quick. that. <laughs> Hi, besties. We hope Hi, besties. <laughs> your water, staying hydrated, staying moisturized during these yes. times. So there are a lot of conversations going on. And I feel like there are so many conversations because they take place on so many different social media platforms. And we thought for today's episode, we would talk about all the different debates that are currently happening in the cultural zeitgeist. So to kick us off, Sierra, maybe it would be super helpful to know like what social media platforms are you currently on these days? Social media platforms that I am on. Hmm. There's TikTok. Love it. IG. Kind of Instagram. love it. Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm on Be Real. That's been interesting. Oh, yeah. um, and Twitter. Mm, oh, nice. I have a Facebook, but I am rarely on Facebook. Do not use that. So, um, Facebook is definitely dying if it's not already dead. Right? I feel like it's only been kept alive because Instagram is now kind of like integrated with it in some mm-hmm. weird way that I. Still Some don't sick, understand. <laughs> sick and twisted way. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. I also feel like Facebook Marketplace is really helpful too. Like that's that's the one gem of Facebook that yeah. I am keeping Facebook for. Hmm. That's something I don't use. So. <laughs> oh well. Never mind then. <laughs> never mind then. I but feel like yeah. I'm. Def- I was gonna say I'm definitely following your leads. I'm also on TikTok. I love it. I feel like I could really be on there for hours, hours oh and hours God. on end. <laughs> then, you yeah. know, when you get the thing that's like, hi, you've been scrolling for too long. I'm like, you don't um, need to talk to me like that. I don't think I've ever gotten that. <laughs> oh, really? No. What? Oh, I think if you're on for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. there's like a TikTok sponsored like post that will come up like, hi, are you trying to go to sleep? Or like, you've been on here for way too long. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've seen that. TikTok is in your business. Too, too much. The For You page really is for you. Oh yeah, yeah. Specifically, like they're getting a little too personal. Yeah, I know, seriously. I actually sent you a message on TikTok this morning and I was like, that this came up on this specific day that we were recording this episode. Oh, really? Look at it, yeah. Okay, well, I wonder if they're listening to us. yeah oh that's scary but yeah your phone is a microphone that's true my personal FBI agent Mm -hmm. is working overtime always overtime these days you're very interesting (laughs) I hope so some of the things that come on my TikTok feed I'm like I don't even know why this is served to me but I resonate with it yeah (laughs) honestly sometimes like wait are you in my head now too (laughs) yeah 
They know <laughs> this that is you wild. Want, right. They know what you want before you even know exactly what you want. <laughs> that it algorithm is, is top notch. <laughs> yeah, it's so scary. It's so crystal. So scary. Yeah. How do you feel about these platforms as you're talking about your feelings about right. TikTok? True. I feel like the platforms Wait, that I'm only on, said TikTok too. So I let's did. finish the list. So true. Okay. So yeah, TikTok is definitely the one I spend most of my time on. I think second highest is Twitter. And then I go on Instagram, not to look at my feed, but just when people send me messages, I feel like that's a common place where I get DMs. Mm. And then I also have Facebook. I don't go on there too much. I checked out of Facebook. Except for the marketplace. Yes, except for the marketplace. Mm. And then I also checked out of Facebook after the 2016 elections. Mm. Being from a white suburb and like seeing high school friends, their family members really you know, hype up the Trump presidency, that was all I needed to like kind of dismiss that. And then I've actually have been going more on Tumblr now. Did you ever have a Tumblr? I never had a Tumblr. I never understood what people were doing on Tumblr. (laughs) Tumblr is so fun. It's like Instagram where it's like a lot of posts, like images, Mm. like reblogs. But I remember being on it so much in high school and middle school. So I've been on it quite a bit these days just looking at old posts like I had and more like nostalgic purposes (laughs) but yeah all of those platforms definitely serve different purposes I feel like Twitter Twitter is really what I use to like stay informed on things just because you know the threads are short and concise though you often have to like double check make sure like sources are credible stuff like that and then TikTok mainly for like entertainment purposes Though TikTok, in my opinion, is also very educational. But those are like the two main, yeah, the two main things. Tumblr is just like nostalgia, vibes, Facebook, specifically for Facebook Marketplace, and then Instagram, <laughs> specifically to check direct messages that I get. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How about you? How are you using all of these different social media platforms? Um, TikTok, definitely entertainment. And sometimes I do like save things related to like recipes or mm-hmm. fitness, black girls doing all these cool hairstyles now. I love True, that side of yeah. TikTok. Oh my God. And low key, like the baby fever is there because I follow fam- like black families, oh, wow, like yeah. young black families. And I'm like, they're just so cute. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm a TikTok auntie. that's great though but it's also great to see young like healthy black families oh yeah you will not find that on instagram yeah Mm -hmm. i know well every now and then on tiktok the you know the interracial couples mostly almost all overwhelmingly Mm -hmm. black man white woman come up Mm -hmm. and I have to like skip it so fast so the algorithm knows like I'm not even entertaining it not doing it no sir reject air air x out pick somebody else so funny (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah tiktok so I use it for I love tiktok oh my god I apparently I don't use as much as you because I have never gotten that's good (laughs) I think it has to be like if you're spending at least two hours Oh it's my like, god. It's yeah. kind of, it's really long. It's a really long amount of time before you hit that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well I now know. I know. Yeah. Um, Instagram, I feel like I mostly check messages. I may look at people's stories, but I'm not really scrolling okay. through the feed. Sometimes I'm like, oh, let me 
do a little scroll. I haven't scrolled in a minute. And then I instantly am like, why did I do this? Right. (laughs) Because however they changed it, it just, it's It's not not giving what it's supposed to give anymore. I completely agree. Yeah. So IG bring back chronological order. If I know. And less sponsored posts. Yes. (laughs) Chronological order, less sponsored posts. Amen. Um, be real like I literally do not understand the purpose I think it's fun to see what people are doing in the moment but then sometimes mm-hmm. people post really late and I feel like it's like a oh I'm out and I'm actually doing something so let me post real quick and I'm oh, like okay. that defeats the purpose of this but okay mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. it's like one of those things where people can get pretty creative on be real so how do I just like one of my friends she always posts something I don't know the POV of it is interesting sometimes Mm, so one time she was cooking and it looked like she was really like cooking cooking I'm like okay girl (laughs) right chef boyardee in the kitchen literally yeah yeah so it's just very interesting to see people's personalities I would say shine through on be real because you literally have two minutes to figure out what you're gonna you know Mm, in that picture yeah right are those all all those the main platforms you're on um TikTok be real IG Twitter I I go on every now and then but I'm not really Mm -hmm. always on there so you're not missing much I go on, retweet a few things, and then scroll a bit and leave. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about right. Ever since to like the Elon Musk takeover, the Bengal. Yeah, it's not as fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely not as fun. But I feel like on social media lately, one thing, one Twitter, Twitter tweet, one tweet that I saw that was really interesting, kind of shifting gears to like now moving towards debates that we're seeing on these social media platforms when SZA's album came out SOS someone tweeted something like oh I'm glad SZA's album came out because these new rappers that are putting out songs when we're getting a little too hard like SZA's album is going to soften you girls up and I think it's so interesting now how there's like a new era of rap artists like Glorilla you know Megan Thee Stallion I would even say Cardi that are really you know flipping but yeah. the industry on its head in terms of making content that is really championing the city girl, the city girl lifestyle. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. So what are your thoughts on that crystal? I feel like the feature-esque music <laughs> that we're getting for women is very much overdue. I know when we were prepping for this episode, you kind of mentioned that Lil' Kim was like a predecessor of like what we're seeing today and I think that's definitely true and I just love I love seeing women do what women do best which is <laughs> being smart you know knowing yeah. how to play the game explicitly yeah. telling and rapping about how do you play the game and how do you play it successfully you know <laughs> yeah yeah I think it's funny too because it's like black men that are rappers like Mm -hmm. some of their stuff is so kind of like disrespectful and talking about treating women really bad 
but mm-hmm. it's funny when we do it then you know it's it issue. these abate, debates and people have something to talk about and it's like you're doing something just like completely heinous it's like what's wrong mm-hmm. with you guys mm-hmm. the double standard is always just wild yeah I agree and I even feel like going back to your comment about like rap music made by men being like super disrespectful I feel like over time it's evolved to be so crude too like just the words that they're saying these days like this is so graphic like you could literally picture the nastiest scene in your head literally just from listening to some of these rap songs it's disgusting yeah really sad and it's crazy too how someone so loved like Drake I feel like his mm-hmm. music over time has just changed and it's yeah, gotten worse and you just I don't know from my perspective you see the hatred kind of for uh black women through his yeah. music now and he wasn't like that in the beginning really yeah that's true uh like take care and then stuff like that it was yeah very different what he's playing to his now. new album <laughs> talking right. about big talking about that's Serena's been like why are you bringing t- all of this up this is all unex this all unacceptable it's all out of left field like right why <laughs> what is the very unwarranted very yeah. very unwarranted yeah and I also was thinking I feel like now that we have you know music by male rappers continuing to be disrespectful and we also have you know this rise of female music not, I hate using the word female, women-led <laughs> rappers, you know, that are also arguably, you know, also creating music that can taint the way you perceive love, the way you perceive, you know, relationships with your, like, intimate partners. I think, like, both of those combined is so influential in terms of how people are also internalizing it and mm-hmm. thinking about their own romantic relationships. I feel like music, Definitely. yeah, can influence how you perceive things in your own life. So it'll be interesting. I feel like we see it now, honestly, in terms of how people like think about romance and stuff. It's been, it's kind of sad to see like in our generation that it's not as pure as it was like maybe decades ago. Definitely. I feel like the music today has kind of shifted towards like, basically what can this other person do for you mm-hmm. and if you're not getting it then it's kind of like well we're putting you off to the side and that's how they're painting the picture of relationships like everyone is mm-hmm. dispensable to an extent if mm-hmm. you're not getting your needs met when it's a it goes a little deeper than that yeah yeah let's hope so yeah like they definitely push like superficial relationships and so transactional like you were saying yes very it's so transactional. Sad. yeah yep, so sad. that also reminds me of like in the past couple of weeks I feel like we've been seeing so much about like Krishan and Blueface <laughs> and like their romantic relationship and they're both music artists I haven't heard any of Krishan's music but like, supposedly she's a music artist but I feel <laughs> like just having images like that and seeing things like that being so normalized like domestic abuse and relationships mm-hmm. and like the music scene you know it all feeds it all feeds itself within that scope yeah I find that to be really sad with the mm-hmm. domestic abuse that goes on within relationships between people like in the industry just because you know like 
seeing the Chris Brown and Rihanna thing, right. um, Saweetie and Quavo, and now Krishan and Blueface, there's never any accountability from anybody when you see this mm-hmm. play out in social media. And it's like, what message are you sending to little girls and little boys like at home? You know, mm-hmm. these are mm-hmm. people that you are not necessarily looking up to, but you see them all the time in the media. And this is what's coming out, and especially with like how high domestic abuse rates are. I feel like to a certain extent, people need to be held accountable for yeah. those types of things, especially when you're in the public eye. Yeah, definitely. I think that's actually a great transition to another conversation I wanted to have in terms of abuse towards, I don't know, like different people in your lives, like the Megan, the Stallion and Tory Lane situation and how just like how eye-opening that was, like, I feel like, unfortunately, I've come to just like expect people to like generally disrespect Black women, but just the way that this whole situation played out and how, how much Meg got like the brunt of everything, considering she was the one that got hurt the most, was so, so disappointing to see. Yeah, I was, I was very shocked with this situation to see how she literally posted her injuries online. Number mm-hmm. one, how traumatic that would be to post right. your injuries online just so people can see that it's not fake. But the mm-hmm. fact that you would even have to do that just to show like, yes, this did happen. And yes, it's a real situation. Mm-hmm. And for people to still be like, you're lying and yeah, and the situation. And it's like, none of us know what the situation was. So no one should really be speaking on it. And we should definitely be relying on the justice system to do its job. And this is not the moment for us to bring up, well, you know, um, Black men always get, you know, sentenced to X amount of time for doing X things. And this is one of those situations where, yes, he needs to be held accountable. Just like- R. Kelly Tory Lanez needs to be held accountable. Agreed, agreed. I thought it was interesting. I was reading about the case earlier to, you know, this record recording session. And Megan Sen actually didn't even say it was Tory Lanez at first. Like she lied to the cops as well to try and protect him and like everyone involved in the situation. And then Tori like completely flipped it on her. And yeah, she got a lot of the publicity backlash. And then even, yeah, and then even like when the trial was happening and people prematurely said that Tory Lanez was found not guilty Mm -hmm. and like this whole thing is a fluke. This is ridiculous. Like women just want to, like you said, want men to be like locked up, et cetera. It's like, what really will it take (laughs) for, what will it take for you all to understand? Like these are people's lives and like well-being at risk that you're putting on the line just to protect your own preconceived notions about things exactly exactly Mm. I mean honestly I think that's an excellent segue to the other topic that we wanted to talk about specifically with the NFL because I feel like over the past couple of years especially leading up to all of the injustice and everything going on within the world um it's crazy how at first, you know, I think too, taking back to Colin Kaepernick, when all that stuff happened with him, no mm-hmm. one 
Like everyone was like, oh yeah, we're going to stop watching the NFL, stop supporting, or at least what I saw from social media. That's it what it looked that. like. But then people quickly dropped that and went back to watching the NFL. And so I feel like the NFL has never been held accountable for their actions mm. and what they do against mm-hmm. Black people and Black bodies. Like it's clear that they have never, you know, respected mm-hmm. the people that play on the field and also the coaching staff, I think, to an extent. Because um, I know one thing we want to talk about is the Texans coach getting fired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll let you start off if you have anything to say on that. Yes, sure. So I will preface, I am not an NFL person. I do not watch sports <laughs> at all. I will occasionally Good. tune in like, the ice skating competition during the Olympics. And that's like as far as my sports watching goes. But from my understanding, it sounds like the Texans hired the second second black coach that's because they had a coach before that they hired for one season, they fired him. They hired another black coach and they fired him after one season as well. And it sounded like the team that he was inheriting was already pretty bad. So the fact that he got fired for bad performance on the team is seemingly not too fair, right? Like there's only so much you can do with a crappy team. Exactly. So and only being him. Like, yeah, they should have given him more time, I think, to prove himself, to be honest. So yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah. No, I was going to say just that, like being given one year to kind of turn it around, that's definitely not enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually was reading an article in the Washington Post. They did a lot of research on the NFL and their hiring practices, diversity, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. There's actually quite a few articles online of research that they were doing, but um, yeah. That's time to expose (laughs) expose them. Yeah, I definitely found some interesting things and specifically just like on that topic. Um, it, they said that so black coaches who won at least nine games in the regular season were still fired as often as white coaches who won at least six games. Oh, wow. That's not so, fair. Exactly. The standards are higher. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, my exactly. gosh. Exactly. But also, um, when you think about it, only 11% of head coaches have been Black since the 90s. That's ridiculous. And there's so many Black people on the team. Exactly. Roughly 70% of players in the NFL are Black. Mm, and only 11% make it yes. to the coach. Well, so that was another thing that they were talking about in the article, because mm-hmm. they said, number one, 13 teams have never hired a Black head coach out of all of them. Oh, really? Yes. But also, so nearly half of the Black coaches have played in the league compared Mm -hmm. to a quarter of white coaches. So from that, we see that, like, clearly there's a prerequisite for Black Mm -hmm. coaches versus Mm -hmm. white coaches. Right, right. That's disappointing. And then I, you you definitely know more about this than I do, but the rule that they have, is it the Rooney rule where there's, like, a quota in terms of, like, interviewing people? So it sounds, I forgot which team it was, but like there was a black coach that got interviewed and it was really just to fill the quota. Like they weren't even going to consider him for the job for real, right? So yes, 
I so in this article they actually talked about that a little bit okay because um I for I should have wrote down the name of the guy but he said he went into an interview and there were already like a lot of racist comments thrown at him and prejudice like were cited and Mm -hmm. um for reasons why he had no chance of becoming a head coach at all like ever so Mm -hmm. he in so they're going into these interviews and they're hearing this stuff and it's kind of like the owners already know that like they they weren't going to hire them it was just a procedure yeah checkbox yeah checkbox yep that is so unfortunate and they're qualified they're overqualified too they are they are and if these coaches do get the head job okay Mm -hmm. so most black coaches or interim black head coaches they inherit franchises that are flowing in the case of lovey smith Mm. with the texans so they coined this in corporate america the glass cliff and that's a term for when Mm. women and people of color are called to lead during times of crisis Mm, that's true in hopes of like turning miraculously turning things around yeah saving a ship. exactly so they are offered these jobs Mm -hmm. with really no chance and also no support to even try to turn things around because to be fired within a year I mean the stats show that's what happens you Mm -hmm. win nine games and you still have the chance of being fired so Mm -hmm. or you will most likely be fired Mm -hmm. overall this kind of goes to show like when we talk about racism and social justice issues Mm -hmm. this is one of those things like for example the Rooney rule we're telling these companies to fix the system but they're honestly just giving us things to distract away from it because like even all these stats like it's clear that this rule is not working or even right, right. When they're giving a chance they're still set up to fail but you know what they will do they'll have jay-z come in be creative influence for the super bowl oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah they're not like actually going carrot yeah exactly. exactly they're not actually gonna fix the system that mm-hmm. these black head coaches don't get opportunities they're just mm-hmm. going to say you know have a black man be over the Super Bowl performances instead Mm -hmm. that's true calm you guys down a little (laughs) that's true and I feel like in corporate America that translates like oh we'll have a black woman that has no experience in diversity like in corporate to be like the chief diversity officer and stuff like just performative like really performative moves to make look like they're doing something yep exactly They would rather hire a coach from the college level that has never coached in the NFL Mm. at all, a white man, before they hire a Black head coach. Mm -hmm. That's overqualified. Yes. (laughs) That's so annoying. And I feel like, um, you know, going back to your point about Black women, like people of color, Black people specifically, being placed in leadership positions during times of crises, And then when they fail, I feel like that also can validate the stereotype that we don't have what it takes to be in these leadership positions. And then when you, on the contrary, when you have, you know, white people placed in these positions, when the company or organization is doing successfully well, that falsely, you know, validates that some races are better to lead than others. But it's like the circumstances are usually completely different. 
exactly. the resources too, like the support and resources that the leaders have are exactly. so, can be so different. Exactly. Very frustrating. So it sounds like we need to disband the NFL, um, create our own league, create our own sports league. And I mean, yeah, definitely. I think too, every time players get injured, um, mm-hmm. and I think DeMar Hamlin is of course one of those, yeah. like, I wouldn't say it, what happened to him is this specific example of what I'm going to talk about, but you know, that, um, movie that came out with Will Smith a while back talking oh, about the NFL one? and yeah, yeah, those types of injury. Mm-hmm. It's like, that research has been out for a while and over the years like a lot of players have come out with um just like dying and Mm -hmm. you know them going back and looking at their brains and talking about the weird behaviors that they had leading up to Mm -hmm. it like Mm -hmm. this is all evidence that there is something inherently wrong with the game and Mm -hmm they're doing nothing to address it but I bet yeah. you if it was more white men out there on the field doing this stuff be different exactly yeah, yeah I agree. back to Damar Hamlin <laughs> yeah oh sorry okay one more point I feel like it's because they know they have an endless supply of bodies like specifically black bodies that will come and take the place on the field oh yeah definitely there. yeah there's always someone to replace somebody on the field for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm Yes, but yes, okay, back to Damar Hamlin. I think that whole situation was kind of weird how it played out. Just because, so I was watching the game. I was at a restaurant and it started. Mm -hmm. I actually drove home during the first quarter. And so when I got there, that's when, um, you know, they were on the field. Uh, The paramedic was coming onto the field and they were still like around him and I couldn't Mm -hmm. really see what was going on but I thought it was crazy how like they kept the media side specifically they kept switching back to the um back and forth between the game what was happening Mm -hmm. on the field and also going back to the like media room to Mm. and it, it wasn't like they had any information I I don't know why they kept going back and forth between the two but just like how long it took for the NFL to make the determination that they were going to suspend play like indefinitely mm-hmm. for this situation is like, what is the, like, what is keeping you guys from making this decision? Cause at mm-hmm. first I think they were going to warm up and then continue play. And then the coaches went out and talked a little bit and then they took the team back into the locker room and I thought maybe that was like, well, you know, media's out here. Like, let's not talk about this, mm-hmm. discuss this. Oh, I see. So, like, this is mm-hmm. probably not the most appropriate spot. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think the coaches were talking to the commissioner. But I feel like the coaches shouldn't have even had to talk to the commissioner to right. determine what was going to happen. The commissioner should have seen what was going on and been like, yes, let's ascend. let's just, you know, cancel this mm-hmm. indefinitely. Let's not do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the players were shaken up. The coaches were clearly disturbed as well. Yeah, and I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine being on the field and literally someone is just laying there lifeless and then just dragging their body off and be like, okay, yeah, uh, continue. That is nuts. It's literally psychotic. 
they literally had to do CPR and I think they resuscitated him I think twice while he was laying there so (laughs) but people get hurt so often that they probably were just like oh it's probably just like I don't know sprain something like let's just continue he literally wasn't breathing his heart stopped oh that's 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 not just that's, that's not terrible. just that's bigger you know get carted off and <laughs> yeah. let's continue play but I'm right. sure I'm sure that there are people in the NFL in the leadership that do probably think that way to be honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's also incidences where in where people players will like get hurt and then they'll also be forced to continue playing too like they'll play with concussions mm-hmm. and like hurt body parts because like you're really you're really just like a game to them like you running around the field it's like they don't care they don't care about you yeah that's the moral of the story these companies organizations they do not care about you so you have to take care of yourself no literally but honestly I don't know I personally have disdain for the NFL Mm -hmm. and how clearly they disrespect black people Mm mm-hmm but also I'm like, hey, if black men, they have fun doing it, this is what they want to do Cap- yeah. from a capitalistic perspective, get your coins however you see fit. Because at yeah, the like end those of the day, contracts. Those look nice. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they have to live with that decision. Yeah, that's true. So who are we to judge? Yeah. <laughs> we Fair. are not the judges of this or the jury. So <laughs> merely the spectators from home exactly watching <laughs> watching the trial go on exactly yeah that is it okay that kind of reminds me of the next kind of debate going on in the cultural judge and jury right yeah <laughs> again <laughs> or just like you know just being an outsider looking in oh, onto no. a situation which is the Meghan Markle Harry I even got his last name what is his last name Mount Button or something like that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just like the Megan, Megan and Harry. We yes. feel like people just call them like that. But their situation, especially since now, like their documentary just released on Netflix, and then mm-hmm. Harry had his interview with Anderson Cooper. But yeah, yeah it's so interesting yeah. to see like just the cultural commentary about their relationship. And I know I feel like personally looking in onto this situation (laughs) I feel like Megan should have known what she was what she was getting herself into and I feel like the way that she's been treated is shocking to her because she probably thought like this would blow over fine but I do wonder if the royal family was welcoming to her like would they have been this critical of like what that family stands for you know and like what they've historically done is the issue just that they didn't accept Megan or like do Megan and Harry really care that this is truly like the epitome of colonization imperialization that they are willingly that they wanted to be a part of but were rejected from oh I see where you're coming from did you watch the documentary I watched the first like five ten minutes and then Mm. I something happened I just haven't finished (laughs) it yet should I finish watching it yeah definitely oh my gosh okay I actually yeah I was gonna say like the Netflix documentary I think for me filled in a lot of gaps that I had on the situation 
Um, Because when the news first came out that Harry and Meghan were together, like, Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, cool. Didn't affect me at all. Like, I was not paying attention to it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, Black woman, but also white passing. So it just Mm -hmm. went over my head. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) definitely same. But I do think that um, in the documentary, I I like the way they put it together. And I will preface this with, you know, people say there's always three sides to a story, like mm-hmm. one person's story, the other person's story, and then the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, what you see in the documentary is one side of it, but that side is pretty... It's pretty convincing, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> evidence. They came yeah. with evidence. It, it, I, I think that they laid it out very well. Um, mm. And back to what you're saying, I think Harry did a really good job of kind of protecting and keeping her away from mm-hmm. the institution and what it was actually like while they were dating. So I definitely mm. do think when she got into it, she definitely didn't know what it was going to be like but then also what they said in the documentary I don't know how true it is but you do see the articles over time when they first started um you know being in the public eye and going to engagements there was a lot of like good press out there in the British like media Mm -hmm. and um there was a lot of like good things being said about them, their relationship and what they're doing for the Commonwealth and all that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. then gradually over time, it started being like the media versus Megan. And you just like see the timeline of it and how the articles Mm. just change. And in the documentary, they alluded to basically it being that Megan and Harry were so popular that it was going to cause an issue because he's not the heir to the throne therefore oh, I see there shouldn't be this much popularity around them as a couple so then mm-hmm. that's when it kind of mm-hmm. changed and all the stories came out all the fake news <laughs> right about them yeah. yeah yeah that really was so drastic and just also seeing the commentary between like Megan and Kate Middleton exactly especially like around like when it was time for them to get married Megan and Harry and it was clear how much they really hated Megan and I cannot imagine like yeah I cannot imagine being on the receiving end of that that's so exactly so difficult and and from Harry's perspective he kind of throws it all from what I what I got from it it felt like mm-hmm. he was kind of throwing it back at them which to an extent is fair because he was like the institution as a whole they had a chance and opportunity to make this into a mm-hmm. good situation like they had the opportunity to combat kind of like what was happening and they didn't and mm-hmm. he saw it from the perspective of you kind of missed out on a good thing and that's because they were saying like large majority of the commonwealth you know Mm -hmm. it's not just england it's all these other countries a lot of them have black roots they said a lot of them look like megan i'm not gonna say that because they don't (laughs) 
that's a stretch. Yeah, that, that is, is a stretch. stretch. Yeah. <laughs> they look like half of her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that's yeah. so funny. But it's also interesting to see how now that they're like outside of the institution officially, all of the like public engagements that they're doing. So I know Megan a couple, it wasn't that long ago, but she had like her interview with Oprah. Mm-hmm. And then they have the documentary out now. And then also the interview that Harry did with Anderson Cooper. And I know a lot of the backlash that I've been seeing, at least on my feed, is that now at this point, they're just exploiting the whole situation and they're just trying to get money. And they've kind of lost sight of, you know, why they wanted to air out all this dirty laundry in the first place. But I'm super curious about what you think about that. I think also... That's going to be like our podcast thing. Coming at this from a capitalistic lens. Do we want to come at this at a capitalistic lens? <laughs> well, I think at the root of the it, it's about right and wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say that the institution is wrong. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I think Harry and Megan should get their money however they see fit. Like mm-hmm. the institution pays the media in England to keep them relevant and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they do a heck of a good job at it so I mean Harry and Meghan now going to the media to tell their side of the story after you know British media has gotten it wrong for so long I don't see a problem with it yeah get your coins you have to ride the wave while it's there I mean I hate to bring them up but the Kardashians they stayed relevant mm-hmm. because people kept their names in their mouths. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's how that is actually a great transition. <laughs> I agree. Let me I'll first say I agree to your stance on that. I think it's all about timing. And if they're able to monetize all of this, and <clears throat> I'm guessing it also is accomplishing like whatever their mission is, then hey, no one really is getting hurt. And this yeah. is, yeah, the institution is, but like they deserve to be hurt and much more. And just one last thing, I mm-hmm. think too, like for so long, they weren't able to speak out and really talk about mm-hmm. like how they were feeling through all of this going on. So, I mean, I'm sure it's also very therapeutic for them just to be yeah. able to tell their side of the story <laughs> to whoever true. is willing to listen. Right. So, There's a lot of us too willing yeah. to listen. <laughs> I know. I'm like half of the world Megan I'm here just tell me what happened (laughs) tell me about the bad institution (laughs) right 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 because it really is so romanticized at least in the U.S. I feel like the royal family and people think it's literally Cinderella come to life but there is a dark side to it just like in the real Cinderella like it's never what it looks like exactly exactly I agree (laughs) but going to you know referring to your comment about the Kardashians stayed relevant, Meghan and Markle staying relevant because people are keeping their names and their lives in the name, their names in their mouths. They're essentially influencers, I would say. Kardashians for sure, but like also Meghan and Harry, I think are kind of transitioning into being influencers. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to kind of like our last topic, which is, you know, TikTok and all kind of the, <laughs> the influence that they... <laughs> Yeah, over our lives. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're both avid TikTokers, if you could probably guess from this episode. 
but TikTok and just this general debate of TikTok and how it contributes to consumerism and feeling the need to buy like so many different things. Everything is like a viral product at this point. Everything is sold out if it's mentioned by specific people at Target on Amazon. It's ridiculous, but I'm curious to know, like, what are your thoughts about, you know, TikTok and consumerism and how they're kind of intertwined with each other? I hate it. I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that brings me to what I was talking about earlier, the video that I mm-hmm. sent you. I have no idea. I swear TikTok has to be listening, but a video mm-hmm. came up from a TikTok creator. Her name is um, Diana V. Moda. And she was mm-hmm. talking about overconsumption as it relates to TikTok and influencing mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I really, I agree with what she had to say. And I'm happy her video landed on my feed because this is exactly how I feel. Is she, mm-hmm. she was basically saying like you these influencers are telling you, you need to buy these items. And that's all you're thinking like, oh yes, I do need to buy this item because this influencer said it. But sometimes we have a tendency to buy these things and we don't even use them. And you think about it, if we don't (laughs) use it, what are you doing with it? Eventually it's going to go in the trash or where else is it going to go? You know? So Mm -hmm one note it's like sustainability but we'll leave that there for a second Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also um are these companies that they're promoting you to buy these products from like should you actually be buying products from Mm -hmm. them we don't even think about that aspect of it um because she was saying for example skims I honestly didn't Mm -hmm. do the research on this hopefully she did but she was saying like, if you support skims then you're basically supporting Trump because the, cause Kim is like good friends. I think with, um, I think it said the Murdoch family and the mm. Murdoch family has ties to like Trump. So it was mm. just, feels, this thing. <laughs> go ahead. I was say, that feels like a bit of a reach though, unless Kim is like investing, but that's very that's possible. I- that's yeah. what that's I'm what not sure yeah. what the relationship is there. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't really go much into it, but mm-hmm. I was, but just to tie it all together though, it makes you really think like looking, you know, like taking that step a little bit further to just be like, okay, mm-hmm. yes, if I want to buy this now, let me look at, is this really what I should be buying from this company? Like, mm-hmm. we, what are these companies tied into? What are their interests? You know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Because as a consumer, like there's so much power in your dollar and you want to, you know, be responsible mm-hmm. about where you're giving your dollars to. So, yeah, I completely agree. And I, yeah, the overconsumption is <laughs> ridiculous. Even going back to like the Instagram days, I feel like Instagram is kind of like where we first where we first were getting influenced to buy products. Mm-hmm. And then now on TikTok, where people are like doing hauls, like mm-hmm. $200, $300 hauls of stuff. Even people are like doing tours of their homes and like they're showing, like I saw TikTok, this lady probably had like 70 like Bath and Body Works lotions. Oh like just ridiculous, just like ridiculous amounts of products. And it's like, why do you feel the need to like have all of this? This yeah. is so much, like there's no logical reason for like one person to have this much stuff. It's really just gluttony to have this 
just to have this and people on the other side like watching all of this they feel like they don't have enough and they feel like Mm. they need to go buy they need to go buy all of this too it's like somehow validate themselves and going back to what you're saying you really have to do the extra work one to make sure that these are companies that you want to put your dollars behind but also like what are you is the gratification that you're getting from buying these products is that something that will you know last with you or is that just like a fleeting feeling and then once that feeling goes away and then what next exactly yeah oh this creator was also saying like once again I don't know how she's proving this stuff maybe (laughs) it's fact maybe it's not but she said like there are some times where these girls will do 300 400 hauls and Mm -hmm. half the time they're returning the clothes yes buy them yes that's so true we don't even know what's happening after the 60 seconds exactly yeah I was even talking to my friend about this the other day we were saying like when people are doing these hauls when people are like taking their pictures in front of their Mercedes whatever it's like are you actually can you actually afford this or was this actually just bought with credit card debt too like we really yeah we really have no idea yeah no I know people uh, without saying too much I I was gonna say name them no I know people that buy things and Mm -hmm. will return them after they take their pictures or after they Mm -hmm. go to an event or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so, it's tragic. Yeah. It is really tragic. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like one influencer that actually just made a product go viral was Alex Earl. She's just a University of Miami college student super she is really beautiful in my opinion but yeah like super pretty white blonde girl but she made the male is that how you say it male 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 something like that (laughs) but it's like originally a black hair care product that's supposed it's like an oil for your scalp also a lot of black creators were doing videos on that prior to this is good to note and it never sold out (laughs) that's true that's true but when she did that product when she did like her little get ready with me showing that product literally within 24 hours sold out everywhere everywhere and the original ogs the original audience who the product was known for completely just bought out of the market like there's nothing there's nothing left on the shelves for us yeah it's disappointing yeah no that whole situation was ridiculous but mm-hmm. i i just Sometimes I don't understand too, because like how I'm saying black creators, black influencers were talking about it for so long and it never sold out. The minute Mm -hmm. this one white girl says something about the product, like it sells out Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. she, she has like a huge following, but also, I mean, I feel like black creators, they do the same things on one end of it and they still don't get the amount of notoriety that Mm -hmm. these white creators get on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Alex is definitely the it girl of social media right now. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's really sucky to see that they're literally, you know, YouTubers, influencers that we've been following for years that have like consistently put out like really great content too. I think quality of content is also something to note here and they're still stuck at like 500,000 subscribers or something so like why can't why can't the black girls have an it's girl that goes viral because yeah. I feel like someone like Clark is comparably 
like at the oh, same. Oh yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, for like, a while I was like distancing myself from her content, but mm-hmm. she brought me back the other day. I'm like, okay, this is so cute. <laughs> you mean Clark? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, they both do like lifestyle stuff. Clark is even at like Columbia in school. Yeah. She has like her own little like side hustles that she does. And she is definitely not growing up the same rate as Alex Earl. Yeah, they, for me, her dating stuff was what kind of- Oh yeah, she does a lot more dating away, stuff. But yeah, I liked her. I like her videos now when she's like spoiling her mom and, mm-hmm. you know- I definitely thought her videos too when she was um, working at like the law firm and right, the startup right. stuff, like all that stuff. Definitely. She's definitely yeah. a it girl for me. <laughs> yeah, she is for me too. I love, I love seeing it. And she does so many different types of videos. Like you're saying, Rolex Earl will, like she predominantly just does like get ready with me videos where she's sitting in front of like a ring light and does her makeup and she's like talking about something. So like even like the level of effort that it takes for both of them to create content is so different too. Yeah. Whereas one will get promoted way more probably on mm-hmm. TikTok versus the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. TikTok, also, like, we need to talk about your algorithm. Yeah, I was going to say the algorithm. <laughs> it is. It all algorithm. goes back to the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. But hopefully Clark takes off. I feel like her, like any given Sunday on TikTok, like if they could take off. Oh my God. Yes. They're both so great. They're amazing. They're killing it. I want to see them win. I agree. There's this other girl too. Um, I'll have to find her offline and maybe okay. I'll mention it <laughs> on okay. a future episode so the besties aren't left hanging. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She started a luxury robe uh, company. Oh, cool. I feel like I remember seeing something like that too. Yeah. I don't know what her name is. I completely forgot, but Mm -hmm. I think she works in tech also, but she started Mm -hmm. this company on the side and also apparently found this out on a, um, one of those like get ready chit chat videos. Mm -hmm. She applied to Warden before she had graduated college Uh so she can choose like what year she wants to go to b school (laughs) oh cool so she already got things lined up Mm -hmm. she already has things lined up yeah that's awesome yeah she's an it girl too but i forgot her name (laughs) yeah Uh, a nameless it girl for now (laughs) for now we will find out that name (laughs) yeah I feel like maybe to wrap up this whole episode about, you know, different debates, different conversations going on on social media platforms, I'd love to know, you know, what debates are you hoping will die out? Anything about black trauma that's in the (laughs) social media (laughs) sphere. Let's stop promoting it. Let's stop giving it our energy. Like let's leave black trauma in 2022. We don't need that Mm -hmm. energy in 2023. I mean, and by no means am I saying that, you know, we should just ignore it and forget about it. Like mm-hmm. definitely hold people accountable that are abusers yes. for sure. But yes, yes, let it play out on social media. Yeah. Take them to court. That's what we exactly. need to start doing, y'all. Yeah. Take these restraining orders, like everything. Yes. Get away from these abusers. Yes, completely agree with that. A debate then, yeah, yeah, a debate, this is like a genre of debates, but just like debates on Black Twitter about hypothetical situations. 
because I feel like they're so played out like there's the one where it goes if your wife and your mother are in the car and like the passenger seat is open who's sitting who's going to sit there and there's debates like that why do like we need those, to talk about it <laughs> yeah just like the same things that like we really do not need to discuss this on the timeline and if this and like these situations will likely not even happen in real life hopefully <laughs> hopefully you already have like the answer in your head and you don't feel the need to like flesh this out on social media yeah but yeah I think we need more like thought-provoking needle-moving yeah. debates that can yeah. bring our community forward definitely forward and upward amen oh my god I didn't even know that was a thing yeah it literally comes on my timeline like clockwork <laughs> like once every three months I will see a tweet with like a whole bunch of comments on this and I'm like we don't need to bring this up again <laughs> you know? you're like gosh darn it why is this here again? I know I know <laughs> make it Let stop it move on <laughs> exactly uh well Sierra what a lively conversation I was a lot of oh my god I was going so to topics. say the exact okay. same thing wow get out <laughs> of my head Crystal you're like TikTok right now I know <laughs> like your sick FBI agent yeah What's are you it? my FBI agent that would be would you pretty impressive <laughs> I followed you all the way through college <laughs> I mean wow you were really committed to job. <laughs> I went above and beyond <laughs> went above and beyond oh my god oh this is great I love it <laughs> yeah same 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 well besties we hope you enjoyed this episode this was a fun one I feel like this was a bit a bit lighthearted. There are some heavy topics though, but yeah, very nice combo to have. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see you later, besties. Yes, yes, yes. Have a good day. Bye, besties. Bye.